Hi, I'm Tyler. I'm JT. I'm Pete. I'm Craig. And we're breaking down another horror movie on Scared Smithless. Enough time for one more story. M. Night Shyamalan again. Ooh, yeah, I love this guy. Like, just to this point, everyone did. We've had some discussions, and I guess I can now get on board with the idea that he's not a quote unquote horror director. Hitchcockian. Yeah. Yes. Seemed that way. But he still makes some good suspenseful jump scare mm -hmm. films. Today we're covering Signs. Ooh. 2002, so this would be three years after The Sixth Sense? Yes. Yep. I was going to say, just before then, he just did um, Unbreakable. Which... See, that one didn't do as much for me. Yeah. It really didn't. Yeah. And, and I, I don't hate the movie. I just, I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed Sixth Sense or Signs or a couple of the other mm. ones. I mean, it was interesting. I mean, the whole... Right. Uh, oh, we're not covering this one. So, I mean, the whole, like, he's a superhero and all that stuff. and Right. It was, it was, like I said, it was interesting. Didn't like exactly the sequels that he did to that with Glass. I just thought that that was just... Yeah, I tried to, like, split, but man. <laughs> yeah, that was... Split was tolerable, but then he tried yeah. to make a, like, a Marvel Cinematic Universe out of it. Right. And just, no. They yeah, didn't They've done that. Don't try. But Signs, 2002. I remember seeing this in the theaters. Gosh. When it came out. Mel Gibson. He is a he is a national treasure. Yes, starring Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix. National. There's actually not very many people in this movie. No, we got just so like nine actors. Yeah, we got pretty much. William Wallace and Commodus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, some like the biggest like epic type of roles. Yeah, yeah. action sword and I guess sword and sandal type of movies or whatever but Pe period pictures yeah period pictures yes. they are both really good in this movie yeah. mm -hmm. I, I thought both yeah. of them did they're excellent right. they're pretty well flawless um yeah. Kevin yeah. McAllister's brother mm -hmm. Rory Rory Culkin how I like many, that how many Culkins are there there's like seven I think there I think there's there's at least three that I know of including this one all right who's wow. the third one I just it's, made that um, number up by the way it's the one that plays yeah, his, um, his cousin in that or whatever. Yeah, in uh, Home Alone. Fuller. Yeah, Fuller. Fuller. The one who wets the oh, bed. Oh, the bed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Easy on the Pepsi. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry. I've already watched Home Alone two or three times this yep. season. You watched Home Alone two at Not least two sorry. or three times. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's still got it. After all these years, it's still, it's still relevant. But I forced my wife to wait until after Thanksgiving to watch Christmas movies. You forced her? Yes. People have their decorations out after Halloween. That's not right. okay. That's not okay. No. And it's like they're starting to play Christmas music. They had Christmas trees out in, in Walmart. And it's like, can we at least get to Thanksgiving before you start putting this stuff out? Right. Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. At the end of the parade, Santa you is at the end of the right. parade. Yep. Once Santa Claus has been on CBS, go nuts with your yeah. Christmas yep. decorations. Thank you. So we're talking... Like he's literally ushering it in. Like 11.55 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day. So noon, Thanksgiving, you're good. Yeah. Yep. Actually, since we're on the topic, I'm going to touch on this real fast. Play as much Christmas music after that time as you want, but as soon as it hits January 1st, 11.59, yep. no more. It doesn't need to go all the way to the 8th of January. No one yep. cares. 
People Bing Crosby needs to go back in the bank until yeah the, the Rat Pack uh, resurges which, next winter. Not that we don't like Christmas music, but just like give it I a love rest. Christmas music after the, after yeah, the fact. A, and same with the, what the movies. You want them to be special. You can't listen to them throughout the year or watch them throughout the year. Wonderful Christmas. Not that you can't listen to our shows That thing's dead. This is the only time of year I'll watch Die Hard. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because it's a Christmas movie. It is. Technically it can be. Fight me. Yep. Anyway. Macaulay Culkin's younger brother Rory Culkin's in this. Right. Nice. Um, a very young Abigail Breslin. Now, her who, very, who first, very first film. Who is it? Who is I'm she? just going to say it. She's well, better in this than she is in sister. any other movie she's ever been in. The sister? No, 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 no. Who is she in real life? Is she hot? Is she not? Is she Zombie Land? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Zombie Land. Okay, good for her. I see you. Little Miss Sunshine, which she that is been Miss Sunshine. for an Oscar for. <laughs> oh, okay. So apparently. She's better in that, but she, she's really good at it. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I, I what is she? She's like five years old. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Give her a mm -hmm. break. Um, was her. this nominated for any awards? No. No. Wow, it should have been. I know. I mean, I felt like it should have been like some kind of a technical achievement, like sound editing or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I see, and I liked. I'm a very big fan of The Sixth Sense, but if that was nominated for six awards, how did this I don't work? know how this is not nominated yeah. for anything. But again, to the Academy, do your job. <laughs> We'll go ahead and jump in here. Uh, we open, similar to Sixth Sense, opening credits, which again is a little bit unusual for a movie made, what, post-1970? Yeah, I think I think Star Wars really kind of kicked that off. It yeah. just kind of started. I don't know very the many other ones that did that. I, I, uh, you always think okay. of the old black and white movies right. doing all the credits at the beginning yeah, of the like, movie. Yeah, like, you know, well, at this time of year, uh, it's a wonderful life. They got like three and a half minutes of credits. That feels like four hours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want, want to watch the movie at that point. <laughs> Love the movie, but the credits drive me nuts at the beginning. At the end of the credits, at the beginning, I don't yeah. even want to watch the and movie. And then you have credits right. at the end of the movie. Well, they're figuring you're going to get up at the end and not see that, so I get... Well, I you get, know what movie you're going to. Right. You know you're going to see a Jimmy Stewart movie. I don't care that the, who the sound guy was, as long as the sound was there. You did a good job. And to all those who are you. in audio and sound in the film industry, we love you. Merry Christmas. Anyway, uh... Back to signs. <laughs> James Newton Howard again on the score. Yeah, he, uh, actually, he actually did the score before they start filming because he saw the... Um, storyboard? Storyboard, yeah, uh, of this, and he just sort of pieced it all together and then this did the music just before they start filming. Yeah, it works. It's like violins, I yeah. think. Mm -hmm. but it's, yeah, it um, was like a combination, he said, of like Psycho... Yeah. Um, yep. Close Encounters of the Third yeah. Kind. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, and it's... The, the, the music just kind of puts you in an uncomfortable spot. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. Your angst level goes up. Yep. Angst, nice. Yeah. Boy, the word of the day calendar is paying I, off, I, isn't I, it? I'm not, I'm not going to let that go to my head, but uh, you know, I've been reading a couple Websters. Do you know Webster's first name? Eugene? Noah. Herbie. Herbie? Yeah. You're a liar. It's Herbie yeah. Hancock. <laughs> You're a liar. His name is Noah Webster. Noah? Miriam. I thought it was Miriam too. Miriam was from? the other guy that wrote it, I think. Oh. Oh. Z-Snap. Well, got us on topic of this again. Well, because I used to work the day. Anx. Oh, okay. Anks. Yes. And that score definitely did that. It just made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up a little bit. Okay. So, um, we then open on a house out in the country, a far old farmhouse. Yeah. All um, filmed on location. Yep. It was actually filmed on a, uh, from a De Delaware Valley College. 
It was an agricultural place. Oh, that makes they sense. They were able to grow the corn. They did something to make it grow really quick. And the uh, steroids. That's what I was yeah. thinking. <laughs> and then they burned it. GMOs. I, I'm pretty sure the house was no just apologies. was just a just a set that they build. I can't really remember. I was trying to look in on that. I couldn't find anything really. Right. So Mel Gibson, who plays Father Graham Hess, what a, a Catholic priest. Well, it says it's, he's episod. Epis- ep- how do you say that word? Maybe stop trying to use words that you don't know what they mean. Uh, episodic? Yeah, I saw, I saw that too, and I'm just like, okay, it he's says Catholic. Episcopal. Episcopal. Oh, my bad. He, he's a former Episcopal priest, according to Wikipedia. Which so we can definitely right. believe that. Right. So we get him waking up. He's walking around his house early in the morning, and he hears a girl screaming outside. Um, this also wakes up. Who we find out is his brother, Merrill Hess, who sleeps in the, uh, I guess, apartment above their barn. Yeah, it's like a renovated mm-hmm. barn. Right. Something. Played by Joaquin Phoenix. They follow the sound out into the cornfield, um, and it is coming from Graham's daughter, Bo, who is uh, supposed to be probably five or six years old, I think. Yeah. She takes them to Graham's son, Morgan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Morgan. Uh, played by Rory Culkin, and he's standing at the uh, he's standing in the middle of the cornfield, but it's it's right on the edge of where he sees a bunch of corn knocked down. And as we zoom out, um, we see that it's a giant crop circle. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, none of that was CGI. Right. You wanted yeah, you wanted it all. I mean, we've seen people like do this before. Right. You want that all to be real. It's just a big yep. helicopter shot. Or however, they do that. Aerial view. Aerial view. And the daughter, she thought she was dreaming. She asked Mel Gibson and Walking Phoenix if they're in her dream too. Yeah, and I was like, huh. Like yeah, she's a, a weird little kid. Yeah, a child's perspective, I guess, trying to make sense of all that. Right. Yeah, Morgan says, I think God did it. Um, we find out we are in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Again, M. Night Shyamalan's hometown. Lovely summer. Most there. of his films are take place in and around the city of Philadelphia. Yep. Graham is on the phone with someone asking if it was the, I guess, neighborhood hooligans messing around in his corn. Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. I'm going to start a band called Lionel and the Wolfington Brothers. And the boys. Wait, that's better than uh, Dirty Mike and the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Call it a soup kitchen. (laughs) 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 That resale value is gone. (laughs) If you don't know that that reference, you don't want to know that reference. Caroline, a uh, lady police officer, shows up at the house. She's talking to Graham. He's obviously called her about... I mean, this is a big crop circle. I mean, you've mm-hmm. seen these crop circles before, and a lot of times they're big like that. But I, I'd right. say, I mean, this thing's like... I mean, it takes up oh, it's, it's, two or three acres yeah, in this cornfield, least, I'd say. Yeah. We kind of get, get some exposition here and things that most of it ends up being foreshadowing later in the movie. Morgan and Bo are outside getting water for their dog. Bo doesn't like the water. She says it's contaminated, um, which is kind of a theme throughout the movie. She takes a sip of water. She gets a glass of water, and then she'll take a drink and say something's wrong with it. Like I said, weird kid. Right. Morgan says he licks his butt all day. I don't think he's going to care. Just pour it in the dog bowl. Yeah. So they do. Yeah. And they they try to push it in front of the dog, and the dog kind of barks and growls at him. Yeah. And so they're obviously realizing something's wrong with their dog. So Caroline and Graham go out to the... uh, cornfield to look at the crop circle both of them are noticing that the stalks are bent over almost i mean just a few inches above the ground but none of them are broken right she says i don't even know of a machine that can do this no right 
uh, Graham says, well, it can't, it can't be done by a person. It's too perfect. Right. Something this big and this elaborate. Caroline also added, like, it couldn't have been the Pritchard boys because they can't even take a piss without wetting their Right, so it's definitely not (laughs) Lionel and the Wolfington brothers. Caroline says that there's been reports around town about animals acting funny. Almost violent. Yeah, becoming violent, almost on on alert, like like something's scaring them, urinating on themselves. Um, She calls Graham father as she's talking to him. He says, stop calling me father. So that's our first hint that something's gone on with his job right his faith yeah we end up finding out i'll just well we can just say it here he's he's no longer a priest he was a priest he's no longer practicing his religion thus Um, means he's not getting paid she says what's wrong father and he says i don't hear my children so they go running back out of the cornfield and uh bo and morgan are sitting next to the dog the dog is dead with a grill fork in its chest that'll do the trick yeah right Morgan says he, he, he jumped on me. He was trying to hurt Bo. Basically, Graham or um, Morgan killed the dog. Since times are hard, it's unfortunate what happens with the dog, but that's still some good meat. And the grill's already going. Yeah. So, like, hey. Why waste it? Right. And uh, Dog not, chops. Oh, I bet you it's fire. You Throw a little bit of a sweet baby rays mm-hmm. on it. Let it marinate a little bit, you know. Lemon just, pepper. Ooh, yes. They don't, so don't we what's happening little... at the wet markets? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, later that night, Bo... Wakes Graham up in the middle of the night. She says, there's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? Not a fun way to wake up. No. Um, Girl, if you don't get back in your room. <laughs> I'm watching so, story. She, he, he says something about, uh, uh, you have a glass of water sitting next to your bed. Just drink that. She says, I can. It has dust in it. So he gets her another glass of water, and he's um, sitting next to her on the bed. Is this where she says, how come I hear you talking to mom? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah she. So Bo... As, as Graham is putting Bo back to bed, she says, why do I hear you talking to mom at night? Because he's a people person. and That's none of your business, Bo. <laughs> right. <laughs> he deals with he deals with her, so... That's he, me time. So the <laughs> other people don't have to? So then Graham, as he's putting Bo to bed, he looks out, glances out her window, and there is a silhouette of a figure standing on top of the roof of the barn, like right next to the weather. Yeah. So would that have been above where uh, Merrill is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I yeah. think it is. But I mean, you're talking like 25 feet in the air, yeah. right? So he goes and wakes up Merrill, his brother, and uh, says, "Hey, Lionel and the Wolfington brothers are here. They're back, and their pants are wet. It's the middle of the night. It's, <laughs> it's uh, so they just they make a plan really quickly that they're gonna take off out the front door, and they're both gonna go opposite directions around the house, meet each other on the other, and side. meet each other on yeah. the other side because they're gonna chase down the the Lionel and the Wolfington brothers." Yeah. While trying to, like, yell obscenities. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really funny. Um, Graham's not comfortable with that. Let's no. just say that. But So they run around the house. They don't come across anybody. Something jumps from the ground, I guess? Or something Something yeah. is above them, and they notice it's up on the roof. And Merrill says, are you sure this is Lionel Pritchard? We never see them. All we see is Graham and Merrill looking at whatever this is that's on the roof. I don't think they can see it clearly. It jumps over them, apparently, and lands... What, 30 feet away and runs yeah, into the cornfield? Right. Again, we don't see it. We just kind of see their reaction right, to yeah. this happening. You see the things that, that these things interact with. Right, so like the swing, the swing set swaying. is swaying, oh, yeah. Trash can gets knocked over. Right, so we've got the next morning. Caroline, the police officer, is back at the house again to take a report on what Graham and Merrill saw the night before. She's talking to Morgan. He's looking at her her radio. Walkie-talkie. Yeah, and she says, "Do you uh, 
do you have a baby monitor? And Morgan says, yeah, we still have Bo's old baby monitor. And she says, did you know you can use that as a walkie-talkie? So he's very interested in this kind of stuff. So that comes into play throughout mm -hmm. the movie. So that's where this idea of a baby monitor being used to communicate is introduced. Bo is watching TV. Graham comes through and again gets on her. He says, you're too old to still be doing this. There's like four or five glasses of water sitting around the living room that are three quarters of the way full with water. Yeah. So Caroline and Meryl are sitting in the in the dining room waiting on Graham to come in. Um, and she makes mention of uh, him moving in with your brother after what happened, basically, is what she said. So we don't find out what happened yet. But basically, Meryl has moved in with Graham and the kids. And that's why he's living there. Um, so Caroline takes a report from Graham and Meryl. That, this was pretty funny. He, oh, yeah. It was very dark. It was very dark. <laughs> he keeps saying... They, yes, didn't, they didn't see a lot. Yeah, it was, it was very dark. So they're trying to explain what they saw, and Caroline is asking questions like she should, and, and she's saying, well, how do you know? Can you describe what it looked like? And they just keep saying it was very dark. Right. But she she says, you know, how do you know it was a man? Because they keep referring to it as he. And, you know, they say, well, it climbed on the roof in like a second. So she's trying to, she's trying to not eliminate possible suspects. So she's trying to say... Well, there's Olympian women in Scandinavia that can jump clear over me. Like right. And they can run like the wind. Uh, Meryl says, well, excluding the possibility that a Scandinavian Olympian was running around our backyard last night, what other possibilities does that leave? Sarah Fuller. <laughs> oh, jeez. No? Okay. Caroline explains, rightly so, that we can't eliminate anybody. She said there happened to be a woman that was in town yesterday that nobody knew. She went into a store and was kind of causing a scene, and she scared half the people in the store, and then she left and no one seen her again. So she's like, I just want to make sure that we're, you know, not eliminating possible suspects at this point. I feel like people in this town, I'll though, um, are a little, like, vanilla. And I say yeah. that because it talks about in the first scene how some old lady got uh, broke her hip because some skateboarders were in her way on the walkway, and so she went around and started spitting on all the skateboards. And then this woman, obviously, Yeah, has, that was gross. Yeah, was and so I'm just like... But and the townspeople were, were shocked and didn't know what to do. Just chill out. Someone go slap her around a little bit. She'll be all right. <laughs> and that she seemed like a Scandinavian woman, right. athletic woman. Right. So Merrill eventually says, look, this was not a normal situation. He says, I'm pretty fast. I'm pretty athletic. And I was running as fast as I could last night. And whoever this was, was just toying with us. We then get another mention of of graham having left the church so as we go we'll pick up more and more on that but we pretty quickly already at this point and we're only about what 10 minutes into the movie we've already realized that graham mel gibson's character graham has is no longer right. a member of the church and throughout the movie there's a like a chopped a chopped up flashback that right you keep getting pieces of throughout the movie yeah his wife has died the kid's mother his wife has died which is why he's left the church, and we kind of get more information on what happened there as we go. Bo comes in and tells her dad that she doesn't want to watch what's on TV, and he says, we'll just change the channel. She says the same show's on every channel. So obviously that gets their attention. So they go and look, and there's a news report about these crop circles, and apparently they're happening all over the world. One of the uh, scientists on the, on the news says, this is either one of the most elaborate hoaxes of all time, or it's for real. Because that, that would be hilarious. Like, I want to, here's my issue with that statement right there. So, because it's all over the world, like, there's a coordinated syndicate of people that are just tearing down corn stalks for what? To get a good laugh? 
What, what would be the accomplishment of this hoax? Because right. then in five years you can say, I was part of that. Oh, cool. Dream that big. Was me. That but was again, me. there's the, the, to coordinate an effort all oh, across yeah. the globe without It'd be, the right. mass majority of people right. knowing about it. So that, that's why that, that theory right there, I'm just like, yeah. even that's, or, or this is for real. Like, Well, obviously it's real because no one's going to put that much time and effort to do it in Philadelphia or Guam or Ecuador. Like, right. you're not doing that. They did all this. To distract everybody to pull off the biggest heist the world has ever seen. Okay. And assuming that this movie took place in the the year that it came out, it kind of felt like a mid late nineties movie to me. Yeah. You know, assuming it took place around that time, the internet's not mainstream. So it's like, you know, these people are gonna have to coordinate over like email or right. chain yeah, mail or the snail mail. In other yeah. words, something something's going on. Right. I mean, if, if that was happening now, it would... No, Professor. Guess again. That is a dumb idea. Give us something we can work with. Caroline recommends to Graham that he take his family into town just because they've been through a lot. The last thing they need is to be out here worrying about conspiracy theories and things that are being said that we don't have any evidence of yet. So Graham and Merrill and the kids go into town. Uh, when they get into town, they split up. Morgan and Bo go to a bookstore... <laughs> the the shop owners. Oh yeah, saying, commercials. Yeah, he's he's watching all this stuff on the news, and he said, "This is just a this is just a ploy by the soda co- uh, companies." Big soda. Yeah, yeah. I've that, counted twelve soda commercials already. <laughs> right. Well, all right, all right. I'm more with that idea than the. I could see than you the being hoax. on board yeah. with that. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Like, because that's yeah. like, oh, make money. Yeah. There's a fiscal gain out of this. I get that. Morgan buys an alien book. Graham goes to the pharmacy to get asthma medication for Morgan. Yeah, Morgan has asthma. He's talking to the to the girl, the teenage girl that's working in the pharmacy. She keeps calling him father, and he keeps telling her, please don't call me father. She just completely ignores all of his requests to not reference his faith anymore, and she goes into, like, a full-blown confession. Yeah. That I imagine that would funny. be a really hard tie to break in yeah. a small town. Yeah. Well, it's not that hard. He's... Doing what he needs to do. They're, right. It's girls just not listening. Right. Yeah. And it's funny uh, when she does uh, finally tell him her sins. I guess it was like cursing and like what? What were they again? It was cursing and I don't remember. I think it was just cursing. And she said that she had she, cursed. Yeah, thirty-seven times. And she says, "Well, is douchebag a curse?" And Graham says, "It would depend on its usage." He's he's just going along with it at this point. He's yeah. like, "Whatever." And she says, "How about?" John, you're a douchebag for kissing Barbara. He goes, yeah, that's a curse. She goes, well, then it's not 37, it's 71. Right. <laughs> and at that point, remember, he showed up just to get his son's medicine. Yeah. So Had he gotten it at that point, or she no. was still playing tiddlywinks? No, I would have been like, come on, girl. I need my son's medicine. And the Perquisettes. Uh, Merrill has the best trip into town. He goes to the Army recruiter's office. SFC Cunningham is the name of this character. What is what? What does that stand for? The the military title S F C. Oh, Special F- Forces. First class. Sergeant first, first class. class. Yeah. Uh, okay. That would be Sergeant First Class Cunningham. Okay. Um, he boy, he's a quite a character. He's a quack. Yeah. Something about his eyes just didn't seem right. No, they're not alluring. They're like re- repulsive. He's talking about the reports are coming out, and it's actually, I mean, he he, it's pretty. Uh, he's on point though. Yeah, he's, he's not wrong. Point. No. He says what they're doing, it's called probing. He said it's covert operations. Gross. He said what they do is they send down a small team to evaluate the danger, and they need to make sure things are all clear. And Merrill says, all clear for what? For the rest of them. He's yeah. like he's almost like the uh, Randy Quaid 
character on Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would think this already happened yeah. to him or something. Right. And what's yeah. funny is like he gave Walker and Phoenix the I can't I never say his name right, but he gave Meryl the like the the Willies. Yeah, because yeah. he yeah. yeah, this guy was he was right. the creepiest. So I idea. think he was the creepiest thing in this whole movie. Right, he's he's chameleons. Yeah. And this he's, and this actor grew up in a cult. Keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> he's comparing it to military tactics, right? When, when you're trying to get reconnaissance on an area, you send a small group in to get the lay of the land mm-hmm. to find out uh, what weaknesses are, what strong points are, where to stay away from. You send reports back, and then that's how you plan to eventually right. coordinate and go in. Right? I think exactly. I'm going to play Ghost Recon after this. That just <laughs> made me want to play Ghost Recon. Wow. He then recognizes Merrill, and this is where we get Merrill's background. And he says, didn't you used to play baseball? And Merrill says yes. And Merrill was a minor league baseball player that had five minor league home run records. And this guy is goes into fanboy mode yeah basically and i was there that day you hit that 507 foot home run five that's a bomb for those of you that aren't sports sports junkies out there that's uh yeah that's cooking towering home run yes like 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 what would be a good one uh 420 Uh, well i mean you can hit it out of the park at like 330 feet yeah so over 500 is oh yeah yeah. that that that's in the the next parking lot it left the mound and Depending on the ballpark, right. some are bigger than others, but yeah, a 500. I mean, there's like legends, With that clear the green legends guy. of Babe Ruth hitting like 500 foot home runs. Yeah. Like it's it's that's not something that happens. Often. Would that clear the Green Giant? Well, yeah, yeah. that's the Green Monster. You're Green Monster. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> not not ho ho ho. Right. Green yeah. Giant. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, like for all giant, those non baseball yeah. fans, I'm a moron. So with that being said, the Green Monster is the the back wall in, is it Fenway or is it? Boston, yes. Yeah. So, so you don't have to feel dumb either. So he says, uh, asks a logical question, I guess. He goes, I was there the day you hit that home run. How come you're not playing Major League Baseball, making stacks of cash, getting your toes licked by beautiful women? <laughs> and we hear another voice inside the recruiter's office say, because he has another record that they don't talk about. He holds the, ma- or the uh, minor league strikeout record. He has more strikeouts than any two players combined. It's still a record, though. Yeah, that'll keep you out of the show, though. Yeah, yeah a little. You got a swing to hit. Yeah. It's um, Lionel Pritchard, so we get to meet this uh, upstanding citizen. Yeah. Is that who that was? Yeah, he's, he, yeah, that's, because um, oh. Merrill turns around and says, hello, Lionel. Oh. <laughs> First yeah. of all, nice name. Right. <laughs> Second of all, I, I wish he was, <laughs> he's in like 30 seconds of this movie. Yeah. I mean, this is one of two parts of the movie that takes place away from their farmhouse. Right. I kept thinking of Lionel Richie every time I would hear that name. <laughs> oh. I was just like, why would he be pissing on the front of his pants? I was getting ready to say, <laughs> I was getting ready to say, go back to Breath of the Wild. Right. Yeah. So Meryl and Graham and the kids meet up for pizza afterwards, and um, we see cameoed by M. Night Shyamalan. Again, you referenced Hitchcock, mm-hmm. who always cameoed. In his films, so does M. Night Shyamalan. His name is Ray Reddy, is the name of this character. We don't know that yet, but we just see the family staring at him as he's walking through the parking lot to his car. And Morgan's, yeah, Morgan says, Is that him? Yeah, first time Meryl I saw, says yes. First time I saw this, I'm like, Is he the guy that was outside the house? Right, right. yeah, I didn't understand right. it. We find out later, though, what he's talking about. So they go back home, uh, they pull into the driveway as they're getting ready to get out of the car. The baby monitor that Morgan's been using starts picking up a signal, some kind of sound. It's making a sound. I had issues with this. Yeah, so it's 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 hard to it's hard to explain it, but it, it just kind of sounds like really loud static, and it's yeah. kind of this whistling noise. But he says, 
oh, it's a signal. So they're, especially Morgan at this point, is very much bought into the, the, the alien invasion idea. But the aliens are, okay, two things. Aliens are either broadcasting on the same frequency that our radios pick up on, or they're using our radios. They don't have any other way to communicate other than using our radios to communicate with each other. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. It would have to be on the same frequency. That's right. right. Yeah. It makes sense, and it doesn't make a lot no. of sense. But, you know, movie's um, got a movie. Right, yeah. right. So, Merrill's trying to explain to Morgan, look, Morgan, he says, look, look, Morgan, you're just believing a bunch of stuff that's coming from a bunch of nerds that have nothing better to do with their time. They can't get girlfriends, so they make these things up. They try to come up with scientific evidence of aliens and of supernatural things that happen. They're just losers. <laughs> it's it's yeah. actually a pretty funny yeah. rant. Why can't they get girlfriends? Yeah. <laughs> and then after his entire rant... <laughs> Yeah, Bo says, why can't they get girlfriends? Um, so as they get out of the car, the baby monitor signal, the signal coming through the baby monitor gets louder. And Morgan says, it's voices, not not English, though. And so they climb on top of the car. Morgan climbs on top of the car to get a better signal. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a little creepy, I guess, that they're picking up the... One thing I liked about that, putting aside the whole frequency thing, is that whenever they came together as a family, whenever they were touching each other, that's when the signal came through the strongest. Hmm. I thought that was cool. Aw. Family bonding. Yep. Over threat of alien invasion. Right. Yes. I like how he said not English, though. Like, he was expecting it to sound like Marvin Martian or Roger from American Dad or something. <laughs> right. Stan. Uh, the, the signal eventually cuts out, and it just goes back to straight static. And so it seems like as Morgan is holding it up higher and higher into the air, standing on top of the car, basically, he, the signal's getting stronger until it eventually just completely goes out. The aliens realized they were getting picked up on another frequency and changed channels, apparently. Yeah. Sure. Oh, they can hear us. <laughs> right. <laughs> Click. Now, you, I get it. Right. They weren't expecting baby monitors. There you That's go. It. That's it. That night, Graham goes outside to um, give water to their still-surviving dog. It's the one that didn't get stabbed. impaled yep. by a grilled utensil. Um, the dog is barking incessantly at the cornfield. This was a scary scene. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. This. Yeah. Graham, who's still very skeptical, right. walks over to the toolbox, finds a flashlight, and then we get a POV shot. I think this was really effective. So we, we literally get the POV shot after oh, he gets yeah. the flashlight, and he's just shining the yeah. flashlight on the corn. So it's windy out, so the corn's kind of blowing back and right. forth. And it's, I mean, the you're really shot. looking at it, right, as pretty much you can see shadows, and then you can see whatever the flashlight's directly on. And coming from someone that lives in, in rural America... Cornfields be kind of scary at night. They are kind oh, of scary. And it's at just night. like oh, yeah. it's just especially when it's dead quiet and all you hear is the leaves of the corn rustling. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of creepy. So Graham decides he's gonna walk out in the cornfield by himself because the dog's barking toward the corn. Definitely not. This is a no, no, no to anybody that thinks you're gonna be brave. Don't. No one's that brave. Just go back inside. Call the police. They're trained for this kind of thing. Without a weapon. Right. So he walks out into the cornfield. Yeah, we. This is where we first can hear what the aliens sound like. Oh, right. oh they yeah. They make this weird like clicking, clicking sound. Yeah. 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 That's it. Off-putting. It's like a, a sped-up sound of someone Clip. loudly chewing bubble gum, clenching <laughs> their teeth and yeah. popping their tongue up. Not the, the sound you want to hear in the middle of the night while you're standing alone in a cornfield. Yeah. So he's walking. Um, he ends up walking out to the crop circle. I'll say um, this much. If it's if that noise isn't 
aliens, I don't think I want to know what that noise is coming from. I know. I don't want to know right. what it's coming from. Even if, if the animal's making that sound. Yeah. <laughs> so he's staying. He's, I think he's trying to convince himself as well at this point. He's standing at the edge of the crop circle. He's shining his flashlight across this massive opening in the cornfield. He says, you're wasting your time here. I'm not going to report this to the police. I'm not going to report it to the news. You're not going to get famous. And then he... Stiffly walks, <laughs> walks away like he's trying to be all big. Yeah. Oh, guys, I guess we got to get out of this cornfield. He said he's not going to report it. Yeah. <laughs> So he walks into the area of the field known as the no plant, which is where you purposely leave certain areas. For your, your vehicles to go through. Right, with no corn planted there so you can drive your vehicles back there. Um, so he's in the no plant. He's hearing more of the clicking sound from he doesn't know what. He finally, one he hears it right behind him. Start that one got me. Yeah. 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 He drops his flashlight so of the light course. goes off. Yeah, he picks it up. As soon as he turns it back on, he shines it over to the corn and you see a leg if I can call it that, yeah. stepping yeah. like it's just walked into the corn and its last leg is disappearing. Gone, right. right. It's E.T. running away. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cross-dressing alien. Yes. <laughs> um, so Graham calmly walks back inside the house, sits down. Meryl and the kids look at him and he says, okay, let's turn on the TV. Because <laughs> he's he's turned, made them turn off the TV yeah. and the radio so that they Didn't aren't get getting worried. any more paranoid right. than they already are. Obsessed. Right. Um, the news says that there's been UFO sightings now. Um, there's lights in the sky. They're showing live feeds of some city where there's these bright lights coming out of the sky. Merrill says the nerds were right. <laughs> um, they watch the news until later into the night. The kids are sleeping, so just Merrill and Graham are sitting on the couch still watching. Uh, Merrill says, I, heard some, uh, I saw a guy on one of the broadcasts holding a sign that said, this is the end of the world. He said, do you think it could be? And Graham said, yes. This was a really good scene. Like yeah, this. it was. It, this is where... The shadow play was really good in this. Right. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a long scene, too. Yeah, I think it is. There was it's longer than I remembered it being. One takes, yeah. yeah. So Graham is just very... I mean, it's not what you want your big brother telling you. You know no, what I mean? Know. In a situation like that. He just very matter-of-factly... Very bleak. Yeah, yeah. That Merrill's trying to get comfort. Yeah. From his older brother, and that's why he, you know, do you, do you really think this could be the end of the world? And Graham's like, yes, I do. Yep. You kidding me? Yeah. He's not wrong, I mean. Right, but. But you don't want to hear that. Right. So Graham tells Merrill, he says, there's people, people are in two different groups. No, man. Some people believe in luck. When something happens, they believe that it was just a coincidence and you happen to get lucky. Other people believe that when good things happen or when things happen a certain way, they believe in more than luck. He said, and those two different groups of people, the people from the first group are filled with fear because they know if something happens, they're alone. And the people in the second group are filled with hope because they know that if anything happens, someone will help them. So he's, he's really talking about his faith, ultimately. Right. He says, so you have, to, you have to ask yourself, which group do you belong to? And so Merrill tells a story about when he was at a party and he was sitting next to a girl that he liked. He leaned in, kiss her, and realized he had gum in his mouth. So he turned back the other way to take the gum out of his mouth, and when he turned around again, she threw up all over herself. Oh, <laughs> and he said, if I hadn't leaned to take the gum out of my mouth, she would have thrown up on me while we were kissing. And he would said, have scarred me for life. He said, yeah, <laughs> I definitely believe in miracles. <laughs> well, like I said, the shadow play, you see when Mel Gibson's talking, like half his face is in shadow and half of it's in light. Mm. And I like that because mm -hmm. he's like conflicted. He said when when... 
Colleen, which was his wife, he said, do you know what she told me before she died? What her last words were to me. She told me, or he says, the last words that she told me before they let her die, she told me to see, and she told me to tell Meryl to swing away because the nerve endings in her brain were firing at random as she was dying, and a flash memory came into her mind of being at one of your baseball mm-hmm. games. There's no one out there for us. We're all alone. Boy, that is no one, that's no one's going to help us. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, M Night Shyamalan says that he thinks the scariest thing about the movie is a good man losing his connection with God. Yeah, because and it is because I mean this scene here, you're like, woo, wow, that's it's intense. Yeah, I mean you're hearing Mel Gibson, who we know, and this has been in the last six months. We find out so just in the last few months, he's gone from obviously being a reverend, um, right. A man of faith, a minister, to telling this story, but yep. cold turkey, right? Yeah, right. That's a good point. I didn't pick up on the shadows, mm-hmm. but I really like that. Yeah, they go to sleep. We get a flashback of the night that Mel Gibson's wife died. He pulls up to the scene of the accident. He gets out, and Caroline, the police officer, meets him and says, "What have they told you, Father?" And he says, "Well, there was an accident." And uh, it was drunk driving involved. And she says, no, it wasn't drunk driving. Ray Reddy fell asleep behind the wheel. He was tired. He fell asleep behind the wheel. Well, is, is Ray okay? And she said, yeah, he's fine. That's, that's what Colleen asked as well. Graham says, oh, good. So she's talking. What ambulance is she in? Caroline says, she's not in an ambulance. Graham wakes up. Uh, he goes to the closet. He hears a TV coming from the closet. He walks inside, and Meryl has wheeled the TV into the closet, into the coat closet, and he's sitting in there watching it for the kids' protection. Right. I didn't think they needed to see this. Schools have been canceled. They said that the aliens, the, that the lights have left, and so the, the, the ships have left, but he said they haven't because a bird was flying through the air, and it suddenly stopped and fell out of the sky like it ran into something. Yeah. His mm-hmm. strange said, alert is on 10 right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, they're still there. They're hovering. And they're, they think that there's more of them now. He said that the theory is that these crop circles are being used as navigation for them. They're coming down and making these crop circles, and that's their way of communicating with the mothership. And they're using them to navigate their way around uh, the planet. GPS for the greys. Mm. Graham then walks upstairs, and he hears the kids in one of the bedrooms, and he walks in, and Morgan and Bo are both wearing tinfoil hats. <laughs> That'd be that'd be uh, that'd be Peter and John Teller yeah. at that point. Yeah, they've got it up. They got it like twisted up to a point. Look like Hershey Kisses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the aliens can't read our minds. Right. Like, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Graham walks, sits down with them, and um, Morgan is uh, he's humoring them at this point. Morgan shows him the the alien book. Graham says, "Who wrote this?" Doctor Bimboo. <laughs> yep. I think I would have gone with a uh, an alias. Yeah, I'm not taking an <laughs> alien book seriously written by a Dr. Bimboo. Right. Morgan says, they're, according to the book, according to Dr. Bimboo, there's two reasons why they're here. To expand their knowledge of the universe or, yeah, or they're hostile. They've used up all the resources on their planet and they want to harvest ours. So they're looking through the book and they come across a page um, that has a picture of a house that's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> and they notice that it looks like their house. It's being shot at by a UFO. Right. There's uh, three bodies laying at the bottom of the page. It looks like an adult and two children. <laughs> oh, gosh. That was actually M. Night Shyamalan's, I think, niece that drew that picture. Oh, really? Yeah. She needs to be. Her daughter, so, someone's related to him. Well, whatever it was, she needs to be medicated. 
So Mar- or Graham <laughs> answers the phone, and it's Ray. And all he says is, Father. And you hear a commotion in the background, and he hangs up the phone. So Graham tells Meryl and the kids that he's going over to Ray Reddy's house. He said, I think Ray just called over here, which would be odd, right? Because he hasn't heard from him right. since the accident. And the guy calls and says one word and then hangs up the phone. So Graham goes uh, over to... Ray's house. He's a veterinarian. I don't know that that matters, but they sure made a point to show us a sign yeah. that says "Right Veterinarian" on the side of his house. I think it was from from earlier when they the dog dogs were acting funny and they they asked well, what we should do. And they said take him over to such and so because they ah yeah, they, oh, yeah. But narc- no they they don't they don't treat animals. They treat people. Yeah, Morgan says yeah. he he does he's not an animal doctor right. and Graham doesn't apparently want to go right. see. Ray, right. that, that Doctor Reddy. Yeah, yeah. Are they doctors? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They go to the same. They go like the same amount of time as a doctor. Right. It's just you know they learn about animals instead of people. Huh. Okay. So Graham shows up at Ray's house. Nobody answers the door when he knocks. Um, he looks through the window and he sees the phones off the hook. The the room looks kind of tossed, turned up. Yeah. yeah. Look for drugs. Yeah. So he, he <laughs> getting ready to leave and he sees Ray sitting in his car. Um, in the driveway. So he walks up to the car. Ray's just sitting there. He notices Ray's bleeding and Ray's just kind of looking almost catatonic, staring ahead. So he tells Graham, I meant to call you. He said, I've had your phone number sitting by my phone for the last six months and I've been meaning to call you and I basically couldn't get myself to do it. Goes into talking about how he's never fallen asleep behind the wheel before. Before It's never happened. He said, the crazy thing is my entire drive down that road, I've been driving for miles and I never saw another car. I never saw another person. If I had fallen asleep behind the wheel any time other than that five-second window, I'd have woken up in the ditch with a headache. Right. That would be really, really hard. Though. Oh yeah. Why are you walking at night? <laughs> Why are you that close on the road? Even even if you're all right. No, I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt, okay? Because like it, he obviously veered off because it smacked a tree. Yeah. But you, as a, you, it's not like she had headphones. Like I. She could have moved on some level. She could have tried to ditch it. You know that there's a car coming, girl. Well, she's walking the correct way, and then he either way to just fall asleep. Then right you there. then you win the Darwin Award. You win that Darwin Award because there's no way that you could be that like absent-minded that you don't know that there's a truck in your vicinity. You would hear it. I would at least turn around Headless. and realize. I thought maybe if you're walking on the correct side of the road, maybe the she tried. Be coming. She tripped and fell. Okay, but it pinned her up against a tree somehow. So she well, was standing. She heard it, and she saw the lights. Maybe she thought it was a big-ass firefly. You, you know what? To be aware is to be alive. Think about that. I think that was a Gandhi I mean, quote. I mean, he could have ex- he could have stepped on that gas a little bit more and went faster and then just whoosh, swerved. Yeah, I guess after having a couple kids, you lose your agility or your elusiveness or something. I just feel like she could have... She could have saved her own life. Yeah, we need to get to the height. bottom of this. I need more yeah. details of exactly yeah. how this accident went yep. down. Right. I need crime scene... Um, and we'll reports. get more into that in a minute, but accident reports, right? He he basically finally tells Graham that because Graham notices he's all all of his stuffs packed up in the back of his car, and he he says he's heading to the lake. None of the crop circles that I've seen are anywhere near water, so I wonder. I have a theory that they don't like water for some reason. He goes, yeah. I don't know. It's better than being here. Graham asks him if he saw something, and he doesn't. It Ray's. I mean, Ray is almost. I'm I'm trying to think of the right word. I guess catatonic. Yeah. 
yeah, catatonic. He's not really, he's, he just looks like he's in a trance almost the whole time. A combination of what's going on and what's happened to him recently, yeah. He says, right before he leaves though, he says, uh, don't open the pantry, father. One got inside and I locked him in. And then he pulls away, that's it. What are you doing? Are you willing to check it out and see what he's talking about? <sighs> yes, I am, just because he told me not to. And I'm a rebel at heart. I do have a question. Craig, if you were an alien, yes. would you come to a planet that's filled with water? Like, 71% of the, the, the planet's filled with water. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a smart move. Okay, I was just... Well, we don't... Well, for those depends, that don't know... It depends on what you're spoiler looking Spoiler alert, that ends up being the downfall of the, the aliens in this. Maybe. Maybe they figure out a way to separate molecules, and they can use the hydrogen from the water to fuel their spaceships. Okay. Or if they stop at the moon, you can get helium-3, which is a lot better fuel for space travel. There you go. Um, so we go back to Merrill, still watching the news in the coat closet. There's a home video shot in Brazil. They actually caught a, a, one of the aliens on film, so we actually get to see one of the aliens. A little bit blurry in the background, but... It's kind of like the Bigfoot. Look, yeah, right, a, right. Yeah. It's actually uh, M. Night Shyamalan with the camcorder. Oh, oh really? That yeah, it looks like, it just kind of looks like you would expect an alien to look like. Mm -hmm. That's so funny, Craig. It did have the yeah. book, the Bigfoot. Yeah. What would you do if you saw yeah. that? If you're watching the news and you saw that? I would have, I, yeah, I would have responded like Merrill. I would have jumped back. Yeah. It would have made me feel damp. Yeah. And I don't like feeling moist. Damp. <laughs> I would have, I would have had to grab a towel or something and replayed it. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so so Graham is over at Ray's house still. He goes into the, into the I guess, the kitchen where the pantry's at. The pantry is closed. It's got, it's nice barricaded. Yeah. Right. And he can see a shadow of something moving under the pantry door. Um, so he it's stops outside. Need. Yeah. And he's, he says something along the lines of, I'm, I'm, I'm with the police. Uh, I am the police. And we've, we've caught everybody playing the, the prank on everyone. You might as well just. Give up yourself. Yeah, give yourself up now. You won't get in trouble. Now, I say that. I say that's all I need. But then, at the same time, you got to think of the guy that was out there in the car. He didn't seem entirely stable. Right. He could have, like, been just off his rocker and shut some random person in there. He just kidnapped a yeah. hooker right. and locked her in there. Yeah, and he had been, like, <laughs> right. taking a bunch and of then, his pet meds. Right. Or whatever. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then... and then Doggy Vicodin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been sitting there at home thinking, God, I hope that's not a person in there. <laughs> Once he came sober. Yeah. Right. Like, oh. So anyway, it doesn't respond to him. It's like an old lady. Which again, are you not responding because Ray's duct taped your mouth shut? <laughs> anyway, nothing responds to him. So he looks under the door, doesn't see anything. This is, I mean, this is a pretty intense scene. He's got a knife. Yeah, he, he, he finds a knife, knife. Yep, on the yep. counter. Uh, one of those big butcher knives that's got a reflective surface. Right. He's holding it, angling it underneath the door to see if he can see inside, um, and he can't. He can't. He doesn't see anything in there. Um, so he starts to leave, and then curiosity gets the best of him. He mm -hmm. goes back one more time with the knife, and as soon as he gets down and sticks it to look under the door, a clawed hand sticks out from under the door, mm -hmm. grabs at him. Yeah, it, this put me 
through the ceiling the first time I saw this, this movie. This somehow took them like about three weeks to shoot this. Person. Really? I really? don't know how, but it, it, it did. Probably had to, they probably had to find a shiny enough knife. I've yeah. never seen a knife that shiny. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I love how they did this too. Especially one like, that's sitting on a cutting board that's clearly just yeah, been cutting fruits and vegetables. Right. right. And I loved how the, like this whole scene is just like this zero music. Even after you see the claw, yeah, that you, was think, good. you, see, you hear that music like, you know, or something. Just I, nothing. I wish more I think it made it more that. creepy. Yeah. Because, you know, the music isn't really what's scary. It's it can be. Yeah. yeah. Can but be. I like, like the, I don't like I don't like jump scare music. Right. I like the movie to jump scare me. The the visuals. Like the first time we see what Cole's seeing on Six Sense. Yes. Exactly. That music drum and Right. Bump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there there is no music in this scene at all. Um obviously it startles Graham. He grabs the knife and swipes at it and chops off like three of its fingers i'm hard pressed not to pick those fingers up like put them in a bag oh yeah why wouldn't you keep that right (laughs) what if they grew a new alien then you have two aliens (laughs) we grew an entire entire alien out of its fingers you know nurse it uh, train it to like love you i am not nursing (laughs) an alien (laughs) my bad wow find some nice lady (laughs) no no. (laughs) who's down on our luck how down on your luck are you that the, the ones like off of Mad Max Fury Road? Yes, yeah. yes, oh. exactly like those. Oh. Like that's how down on your luck you have to be. Like, I'll nurse it back to health. Call it my own. Oh. Name of Roger. Do you want it, Biddy? You your name it is Toby. Oh, yes, he fed it, Biddy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that hurts the Biddy. <laughs> oh. Mel Gibson does not, in fact. <laughs> breastfeed an alien <laughs> in this film alien fingers what so he <laughs> why wouldn't you still take that and get it examined or yeah i sell it? right i agree i mean it ain't gonna instantly grow an alien if, right. you, if you take a finger and you come back and there's a hand attached to it now you can get rid right, of it right. yeah now you throw it out in the cornfield right um root now now you john tell would you have picked the fingers up uh, no, no, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> his his flight response would have kicked in, and yeah, he'd have been half a mile down the road before he ever even thought about. Maybe I should have grabbed those fingers. Yeah. As I'm running, how much would they could they go for? And I, nah, <laughs> nah, not enough. Yeah, right. Yeah. So we Graham goes back to the house. He walks in, and now the kids and Merrill are all wearing tinfoil hats. <laughs> uh, Morgan says. Their skin changes colors. That's why we can't always see them. Yeah. Graham. Well, originally, they were going to do the same type of effects like they did for Predator, mm. but he didn't like. But he, it just looked too effects yeah. heavy. Yeah. So they decided just to not do it that way. This choice. looked pretty effects heavy. Yeah. I'll be yeah. honest with you, but it was 2002. So. It's like they were chameleons. Right. Uh, Graham says, asks Morgan because he's been reading the the book. He says, "What if they are hostile? What happened?" He said, "More than likely." It's going to be a ground attack. Right. With hand to hand combat. He said because they're afraid if they take the fight to the air, we'll use nuclear weapons on them and oh. we'll destroy all of the resources that they're here for anyway. Yes. I have no problem turning this place into glass. <laughs> no problem at all. He says, Well, what happens if they're hostile? He said, Well, there's two outcomes. One, we defeat them um, and they leave and have to regroup and get more for another attack, which could be hundreds of thousands of years from now, or two, they win. Right. But even with that thought process... I mean, it's kind of a weird question, though. It's like, what, what, yeah. do you think, well, what are the two outcomes? The, well, they win or they lose. Right. You know? They're either going home or they're going to eat. Right. right. And so, <laughs> undefeated. Or we undefeated. become alien wet nurses. Are, are, they, right. going, are they going to harvest right. them like they did? Are they going to harvest them like they did? 
on killer clowns from outer space. Yes. Where where are those men? Where's a cotton candy gun when you need one? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so then then they have a conversation about what to do. Graham says, "I think they might be afraid of water. We could go find a lake, stay somewhere near there, or we can hunker down and try to make it waited out here in the house." Graham wants to leave. They want to stay. Eventually, right. ultimately, that's what happens. They end up they're deciding that they're going to stay at the house. I wish he would have went into some sort of like. No, we're not leaving. My great 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 grandpappy made this house right. of his grandson. We get this sense. Here's kind of, I think, the first time we really get the hint of this that Morgan does not get along with his dad. And it was weird that they didn't play up on that very much. Like, this was the first time where we really see that because Morgan's mad at his dad because. The death of the mother? Yeah. He was a, he was a mama's boy. I guess. Soft as, <laughs> soft as get out. Yeah, that's... Um, but yeah, all right, I get the, his age. He has a mind of his own. So I think like that's also starting to bloom. Yeah, I just think it's weird that they waited till two-thirds of the way through the movie before they really even introduced the fact that they did he that. he's yeah. not very fond of his dad. So I'm not fer- very fond of having to go get asthma inhalers or <laughs> albuterol. <laughs> yeah, like, just breathe better. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. Your asthma is the least of my problems right now. <laughs> right. Sounds like a you problem. <laughs> so they're going to stay at the house. Graham says, we're going to board up all the windows. Meryl says, how do, how do we know they can't get through the boards? Graham makes the good point of they seem to have a hard time with pantry doors. And no one asked. No one followed that up with a question. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that. Yeah. Like, like, how do well, you... Be, and I was going to say, well, maybe they had no idea that... that he saw, but he actually tells him. He says, "I saw one over at Ray's house." Oh, no follow-up questions that I'd be like, "Uh, really? Hang Can on. we get some what, more information?" What does that look like? Did yeah. it look like the one that was on TV? Yeah. How tall was it? Did you cut its fingers off? Yeah, right. <laughs> Did you talk to it? And sat down. Had Did a nice you read lunch. it a bedtime story? <laughs> I kind of told him who's who around town and where he can uh, get some killer kush, yeah. or whatever. Good barbecue joint. Right. He did. He did say, so "Feel like it wanted to harm me." Yeah. So that's yeah. the the the, the still. At this point, I think everybody, well, definitely everybody has resided to the fact that there are definitely aliens here. Yeah. But it's, are they hostile, or are they here just on a fact-finding mission? Yeah, because if I was an alien, if I'm trying to be friendly, I'm not dragging my hand out underneath right. the... Underneath the door to try that to thing had somebody. some claws right. too. Right. Mm-hmm. And any alien out there listening over the airwaves, you will lose your fingers every time you do yep. that to, to yep. anyone here on this planet. Yep. They will cut them off. Yep. Or worse. Yes. Yep. Uh, so the news, uh, as as the to- as time goes on, uh, the later that night, we hear over the news that there are now lights over in over 274 cities, um, and they're expected to be over 400 within the hour. Um, they're appearing at or within a mile of crop circles, and they seem to be staging. The military has determined that they appear to be staging attack formations. So it's definitely seeming hostile at this point. Thousands of people are flocking to synagogues and churches. So Merrill and the kids are watching That crazy these sergeant news guy from the recruiting office was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morgan says, you won't let anything happen to us, will you, Uncle Merrill? And he says, no, of course not. I'll never let anything happen to you. And he says, I wish you were my dad. Whoa, wow, that came out of left yeah. field. Good grief. And he I'm, says, don't ever say, don't you ever say that. I've never wanted kids. <laughs> <laughs> not for your dad's sake, for my sake. Don't ever scare me like that again. Yeah. Don't even put that thought into my mind. What is wrong don't with you? Don't put that out in the universe. <laughs> don't you wish that evil on me. <laughs> um, so Graham, this, he's kind of, yeah, I, I get the sense that he's kind of losing it at this point. And it kind of goes along with the character that he's, beliefs that he's chosen at this point of we're all alone. Mm-hmm. Right? There is no one that's going to help us. There's no one out there for us. There are, you know, every, 
I don't know how to put this other than he just kind of, Graham seems like he's losing it. Like he just kind of is sort of staring off into space. He's not really making eye contact with his family, but he ends up making dinner for everybody and gives everybody what they want for dinner, like their favorite foods. Everything dinner. Right. All right, Craig, what are you asking for? What am I asking for? Yeah, it's our last dinner on earth. Pizza. Pizza, okay. What about you, Tyler? Chicken marsala. Ooh, okay, I see you. What about you, Pete? Pot roast. Mm. I'm thinking like a New York strip. Mm. That's what. I, that's what. Here's my thing, though. If this is all going on, I think I think Graham is at this point residing to. Hey, if there's an alien invasion and we're not going to do what I wanted to do, we're going to stay here at this house. It almost seems like he's kind of accepting the fact that this is it for us. Right. Like I don't want to have a last dinner. I'll be like, no, I'll have a regular dinner because I plan on having dinner tomorrow right. night you know, and many nights after that. You know what? I actually I'm going to change what I picked because I might be doing a lot of running that evening. <laughs> <laughs> something light, like, like yeah. some soup. Yeah, a salad. Yeah. Maybe some kale. Yeah. Something that's not going to back up on me when I'm swinging a sledgehammer. Right. <laughs> oh, oh my. All right, I'm about to puke. <laughs> Give me a second. So they're all having their dinner, and um, Morgan says, I think we should pray. Graham's like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to pray. We're not going to pray. Morgan goes into prepubescent, I hate my parents mode, tells his daddy he hates him. I hate your asthma. And then he says, <laughs> "Jeez, it's your fault that mom died. Where that came from?" All right, because I, I think he was trying to make him mad. Yeah, uh, it, it worked. It, right. Yeah. All right. So, like, when well, you're having arguments, don't mudsling like that because you know your dad wasn't driving the car. You know, he he lost someone just like you did. So to even do that, you could have been like, you were never a good priest. You yeah. do something like that. Any ten year olds out there listening? Gosh, don't don't aim for the the, the gonads. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they all start crying. Then they all start hugging. Awkward family a hug. Roller coaster of emotion going on here. <laughs> I felt oddly comforted when they started hugging. I'm like, huh, mm-hmm. I right. need a hug right now. And then the baby monitor. Yeah, the baby monitor t- starts picking up saying, a signal. Whenever again. they come together as a family, then the baby monitor. Hmm, interesting. Yep. So they're getting everything ready in the house. Graham goes and checks the TV. It has now gone to the off air. Yep. Screen. That seriously looked like '50s off air yeah, screen. <laughs> he says it's happening. Which I think is where M. Night Shyamalan got the movie, the idea for his. The name of the movie? I'm just kidding. That movie's horrible. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, wasn't that's that a terrible book? movie. I remember, I remember when we saw that movie, I'm like, what What happened? I didn't yeah, we I got did not the, understand yeah, any of it. At the I end of the movie, I still had no idea what it was. The bees were dying. <laughs> yeah. that, that was it. The bees were dying. Of the wind. Let's not get off on that one. Please. Uh, Graham and Meryl keep boarding up the uh, the rest of the windows. Uh, we get a weird scene where Graham tells Bo the story about when she was born. Again, I think this is just him kind of... Trying to take their mind yeah. off the situation. Yeah, I guess. And I, I, I think that's what he's doing. So I guess he's being a good dad. Like, hey, let's have an everything dinner. And I, I think he is. So I, I do think... But I also kind of get the sense that, again, he's residing to the fact that this is going to be it and we're all getting ready to die. Trying to feel a darker happy. take on it. Trying to get them to fill with happy thoughts in their right. heads. Right. Poppy. Right. So they I end mean, up on... They so they've boarded up all the doors, all the windows. Um, they're back on the main level of the house. We hear the dog outside barking. Um, and then not barking. Yeah. <laughs> then whimper really loud and then not barking anymore. So this is kind of the classic where you see you're kind of following around the inside of the house on the exterior walls. And you get the sense that whatever's outside is... You're following the path of whatever's outside mm-hmm. the house. And it walks past some of the boarded up windows and you kind of see the shadows fill in. That was effective. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's just very simple. There's right. some loud banging going on. Um, Graham then tells Morgan the story about when he was born. Not 
quite as lovely as yeah. his yeah. daughter was. He born. said, when you yeah. came out of your mom, she just kept bleeding. Yeah. We couldn't stop it. She was hemorrhaging pretty much. And he stops right there. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah. But that was it. And the kid and just, just like, dies. <laughs> just like, that's the end of the The daughter, story. he was like, you came out, you were the prettiest baby. All yeah. the ladies in the room thought you were an God, angel. So big, and then you smiled at me. They said, babies that small can't smile. Yeah, I said, yes, they can. Yeah. When you came out, your mom just kept bleeding. <laughs> we had to get a tourniquet. It was that bad. So as he's telling Morgan this story, we hear glass breaking, and Merrill says they're on the roof. Then we hear more glass breaking, and he says they're in the house. Merrill and Graham say, okay, we got to go, and they take the kids down to the basement, and as they're carrying the kids through the main level of the house, we see an alien hand coming up underneath yep. the outside door. Fingers gone. <laughs> right. That quick. I'm having a, yeah, a chainsaw is going to be part of my defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why do they have any weapons, you know? Yeah, well, You're like in a farmhouse. There'd be zero all kinds weapons. of, right. oh, yeah. A shovel, yeah. something. Yeah, true. They have a pickaxe, I guess. Not yeah. one, I get but it was he, already down in the basement. I get that yeah. he was a minister, but like he didn't have any guns, no guns, no swords, no throwing stars, no lasers. Grenades. Yeah. Crucifix. Don't ever think you're going to break into Smith Manor. Yeah. RPG. No. Look behind you, John Tell. Right. We yep. got we got some some blicks. And one in the bedroom. Hey. So they go down to the basement. It's more like a cellar. Graham's holding the door shut, and then we, we get him kind of having a self-reflective moment, and he says, I'm not ready. Just as that happens, uh, Graham, or Merrill, grabs a pickaxe off of the top shelf down in the cellar to try to help prop against the door to hold it shut, and he hits the only light bulb down there and shatters it, so the lights go out. Because of course. Right. Right. I think Bo finds a flashlight. Yeah, one of the kids. Do. Yeah, one of the, they find a flashlight, and they seem to have the door barricaded, the basement door barricaded at this point. But there's obviously something or someone trying to get in. This is another one of those uncomfortable scenes right. because it's like, not only is this like, you feel what they feel in this situation. Right. Right. It's, it's like, very claustrophobic. Right. Mm-hmm. You want to know one of the barricades that they put up that I thought like it made it's useless was they put the couch in front of the chimney opening that wouldn't keep santa out yeah that, there was still like a, a five inch gap to where right. they could yeah <laughs> right yeah. I, didn't, um, I never noticed yeah, that. I, was like, I would have just built a fire <laughs> just had it roaring. Yeah. so they they graham realizes they're making all kinds of noise outside the door here but they're not actually trying to get in he said i think they're trying to distract us and they're trying to find another way in and morgan agrees and says yeah they're they're very good position. problem solvers so Graham's thinking and finally realizes they used to they used to shovel coal into the basement here somewhere. There's a coal chute. So uh, Graham and Merrill, this was a cool shot. They're, they yeah. both have flashlights in this dark basement, and they're on either side of the basement, and they're looking for the coal chute. And both of them say, "I feel, I feel cold air." air. Right. And so they start coming together, and they end up meeting. The flashlight meets in the center, basically of the wall. And it, it's Morgan, Morgan standing, standing right in front, front, right? He's standing in front of the coal chute, and a hand, an alien hand, reaches across his okay. face. Which I always hated. This camouflaged. Part. Yeah, perfect hand. I've yeah. always hated this part because they're talking about like finding a way in. They're talking about like the coal chute. Says I feel air. Why would you be standing right where there all, all the air is coming from? Maybe it was hot. Yeah. yeah. You would feel some of that air. Like, yeah. Oh, hey, guys, I think it's right here where I'm standing. I think I don't want to be here. Right. <laughs> He's like 10 years old. 10, 10-year-old kids don't just sweat. Yeah. They don't get hot like, right. like us fat people do. Yeah. They're not fat yet. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Childhood obesity. What was so it? the lights go out again. Bo picks up the flashlight as 
you can hear a scuffle going on. Uh-huh. Meryl has barricaded up the, the coal chute with like 50 pound bags of dog food uh-huh. and he's exhausted sitting on the floor and he picks up a can of, I don't know what is it, a can of chili or something. Sarah like so. said it was reaches up, soup. Yeah, yeah reaches up into that. That was funny. That was a funny yeah. scene. See, they, I like that they, they inject humor in here. Yeah. Throughout. Sure. I mean, there's definitely intense yeah. scenes and it's it's definitely not what you would call a comedy, but yeah. there's... It's not like slapstick or right. something. Humorous moments yeah. throughout. I thought even more, definitely more so than The Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this was entertaining. It was definitely suspenseful. There was definitely some scary scenes in it, um, but it was, it was funny. I mean, I laughed mm-hmm. several times during the movie. They put the flashlight over on um, Graham, and he's got Morgan, who's having a, an asthma attack. And all Graham says is... We forgot his medicine. Yeah, we forgot his medicine. Again, why was the kid not holding on to it like he has yeah, throughout the right, entire right, film? Right. So Graham is trying to work Morgan through an asthma attack without medicine, which for any of you that have ever dealt with that before is... Terrifying. A little bit of a crapshoot. Yeah. So he's trying to calm his son down and get him to match the rhythm of his breathing with his own and as they're doing this Meryl and Meryl is just sitting watching that's all he can do and Graham starts talking to God and he says don't do this to me again I hate you so he (laughs) all right roll credits (laughs) it's totally the way I would have ended it yeah so it finally seems like Morgan's asthma is somewhat under control Meryl says we should save the flashlights, so they both shut the flashlights off. We then get the flashback of Graham arriving at the scene, talking, uh, and then Caroline, the police officer, meets him and explains to him what happened. She was pinned against a tree. I don't know the medical science behind this, but this is hard for me to believe. Basically, his wife got pinned up against a tree by this truck. It's almost cut her in half, but the way she's pinned, the truck is actually holding her together. This... This is going to sound gross, but I think I, I know what's happening here. The truck is actually keeping her from bleeding out. So she's still alive because the blood is still in her upper part of her body where all your vital organs are. Right. So, but she doesn't have long because obviously your blood needs That's to That's not keeping her alive. It's just prolonging. Right. Yeah, it's just yeah. prolonging the inevitable. Right. But if they move the truck, then she's just going to bleed out. Well, then they should have just left the truck there for like six months. <laughs> It's almost, it's almost like that episode of uh, South Park. Thanksgiving, when the, honey. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, feeding her at the it's like the episode of South Park when yeah. the lady falls into the toilet. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty emotional scene. She's saying she doesn't have very long, but I wanted you to be here so that you could talk to her while she's still awake. And he says, Caroline, are you telling me that this is the last time I'm going to speak with my wife? And she mm-hmm. says, yes, it is. So you're like, Whew. That's rough. You're a cop, not so a doctor. Not, <laughs> you don't know. No, she said lane. that she's not in pain. Yeah. She said she's not hurting. You are not a doctor. Well, the, 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 How the, the do wife you said that. know? The wife said oh. that because I, I'm guessing that in a situation like that, your body would just kind of shut off. And I'm going to guess yeah. that his wife is also not a doctor. Right. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, she wouldn't have got hit by a truck walking at night. <laughs> I don't know. I know some pretty dumb doctors. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, wait a minute. How do you know she? How do you know his wife wasn't a doctor? And never says what she did. Yeah, that's true. Well, you you do raise a really good point there. So we go back. So it's it's the I guess a couple. They they got a couple hours of sleep. Graham wakes up and Meryl has the light is on in the basement. Meryl's looking around. He's turned on the radio. He says, "I found a pack of light bulbs." And the radio. He says on the radio they said that this was a raid by the aliens, but they're leaving. 
Apparently, you're hearing reports on the radio that they'd come here not to harvest our resources, but to harvest us. He said they use some kind of poison that they're injecting into people. He said, but they're leaving. So what's for um, Right. We were the exactly to serve men. Mm-hmm. Ah. He said a lot of people have died, but they left really fast like something scared them off. Water? And that's all they know at this point. They don't write, but they don't know that yet. Merrill tells Graham, asks Graham, he said, you didn't think we'd make it through the night, did you? And Graham says, no. I wouldn't have either. And this is where Merrill kind of, he calls out Graham here and he says, look, there's a lot of things I can take, but I can't take my older brother, who I really look up to, losing when he starts to lose faith in things. And I know you've been through a lot. Right. He said, but I saw what I saw in your eyes last night. He said, I don't ever want to see that again. And I think he's referring to when he was telling, saying that he hates God. He hated God. I think that's what he was talking about. I don't think he was talking about like the whole night. I thought about that for a while because that's kind of why I was thinking Graham is acting just odd. But I think he was specifically talking about that part. Right. When he was trying to help Morgan during Morgan's asthma attack. So situation you want God's help. (laughs) Oh, right. So Morgan is sleeping, but he's wheezing really bad. And Merrill says he's been doing that for the last couple hours. Um, Graham says he really needs his medicine. The aliens have left, but they left a bunch of their wounded behind. Merrill says we would have to be absolutely sure that they're gone before we open the door. So they turn on the baby monitor, and they just hear static. They don't hear anything. Merrill says that's good enough for me. (laughs) I love how... I love how Morgan remembered the baby monitor, but right. not his asthma inhaler thing. Right, right. <laughs> so, right. Wow. You got the baby monitor, but not your, yeah, nice. So they go upstairs. It seems like things are fine. It's daytime again. Bo says, there's people on the TV that are dancing. Graham asks Morgan if he wants to see it because Morgan he's got Morgan laying on the couch. And Morgan says yes. So he goes and gets the TV out of the closet. And as he's wheeling it back into the living room, we catch a reflection off of the TV of an alien um, jump scare. And uh, it has Morgan, who's, again, unconscious. And so this is the alien that... um, Oh, Gibson. Yeah, Graham cut his fingers off because it shows him camouflaged up against Morgan, but he's missing, like, two fingers. Unless it's another alien that also happened to get its fingers cut off. By a priest. A former priest. Yes. Again. Conflicted priest. In the house of the man that killed his wife. Yes. Uh Yes. Ah, However, I think the implication is that this is the same alien. I can't say that for sure, but I think it's the same alien. And if it is, are you that dumb? I'm going to cut you to pieces. You're going to be sushi by the time this is over. So it holds out its wrist over top of of Morgan's face and it sprays something. So obviously this poison that it's using, that these aliens use to kill people, isn't airborne. Aerosol. Aerosol, right, into just... Um, sprays it right in Morgan's face. Graham has the last flashback of the night. We get the last flashback of when his wife died. So he's talking to her. And this is where she tells him, talks. she talks about the kids, but then she says, tell Graham to see and tell Merrill to swing away. And that's that she dies right when right after she says that. So we then um, flash back to Graham telling Merrill the night on the couch, are you the kind of person that sees miracles? Mm-hmm. And so then we flash, we come back to this is all happening in Graham's head. He's thinking about all these things, and he looks behind him at Merrill, who's standing in the doorway, and behind him is the baseball bat. From his home run. Right. It's Merrill's trophy bat from his 500-foot home run. And so Graham says, swing away. So it all comes full circle. Yeah, it does. Merrill takes the bat and just starts going to work on the alien. Yeah. A good old Louisville slugger. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're hit. You've got you've got 500 foot home run power. 
Yeah, you can end someone's life real quick yeah. with a baseball bat. I feel like you'll be like a hit from him will liquefy someone's kidneys. <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> Just like a Chuck Norris kid. Yeah, yeah. so uh, the alien drops. Graham scoops up Morgan and runs out of the house with um, Bo. Bo and Merrill's just. I have a question. He is clocking in. Yeah. Would you have lost control? Do you think you would have lost control? Oh, I think I yeah. would have. I oh. for sure think I would have. But then we get the other. This is kind of our. It's not a twist really here, but kind of reveal the alien, the water. Like we said, the it, it hurts the aliens. So Bo leaving cups of water all over the house. There's like dozens. Yeah. yeah. 12 or 15 cups of water laying around the room that this fight's happening in. So Merrill realizes this and just starts smashing cups of water at the alien with the baseball bat and then ultimately gives it like a takes a home run swing at the alien and he falls down and a glass of water falls on his head, which doesn't matter. So he goes outside with Graham and Bo and Morgan and, and Graham has administered the EpiPen to Morgan at this point. But remember, he'd been sprayed Mm -hmm. with the poison, but Graham is saying his lungs lungs are closed up. His lungs are closed. The poison couldn't get in because his lungs are closed up. Did he say, like, before then, did he say something like, that's why he has asthma? I swear it's what he said. Like, it's a God thing. Right, so he's, this is, this is kind of all coming full circle, especially for Graham and his faith. Um, He says, it can't be luck. It can't be luck his lungs are closed. It can't just be luck that his lungs are closed. So he's starting to believe again. And ultimately, Morgan regains consciousness and he's fine. So the poison didn't kill him. So his weakness... Because he had... Right. Because he had asthma. So they're all happy and crying. And Morgan says, what happened? Did someone save me? And Graham says, yes, I think someone did. So we then cut to the last scene, which is Graham, who is now back in his... Priest he's attire. He's got his, his yeah, the collar. Yeah, he's got his collar back on. So he's obviously regained his faith and rejoined the church. And that's Rob the end. Yeah. yeah. What was um, the gangster from Pulp Fiction? The the lead gangster. What was his name? The big black uh, ball. Um, yeah. Oh, oh uh, I forget his character's name. Uh, well, I was just gonna reference a line from him. Okay. Do I, it. I asked if any of us would have lost control, like, you know, beating up that alien. And oh. I instantly thought about that line. He goes, yeah, I'm going to tie him up and get real medieval on his butt. There you go. I'm going to go to town okay. with him with a blowtorch and a needle those pliers. Uh, this is another A for me. Yep. I mean, for many yeah. of the same reasons as Sixth Sense, it's it's a good, it's just, these are great stories. I, yeah. I enjoy the story. It's engaging right from the beginning. You mm-hmm. want to know what happens. This would be one. You ever watched a movie and... You get like halfway through it and you get busy and you have to shut it off or pause it. And you're like, oh, I'll come back to it later. And then you never do. Yeah. Like, I feel like you'd be itching to get back to it to yep. see what happened. This, this is interesting. You know, you know what? Uh, the movie The Birds, Night of the Living Dead, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers was an influence for this movie. Yeah, I kind of thought about that. I'm like, yeah. like, the birds, it's like, well, that makes sense. Right. They're all like towards the end. They're like all yep. in the house and right. stuff. I looked up the, the box office for this. It had, I was, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, it came out in 2002, so I'm guessing Two Towers was ahead of it, you mm-hmm. know, because those were huge movies, the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings movies. And actually, Two Towers was sixth that year. I was like, how can there be that many movies ahead of that? Uh, my Big Fat Greek Wedding, for whatever reason. And then uh, Signs was number four. Huh. And then uh, Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets. Oh, yeah. Attack of the Clones and Spider-Man. Mm. That was a big oh, year. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. yeah I'm, no kidding. Think about that. I'm gonna give this movie a good old A plus. Wow, perfect movie. Plus? Yes, flawless film for you. Yes. Okay. This uh, is, I'll no, give this no, one no. the same the same grade I gave. Six cents. Six cents is an A minus, but I think I enjoyed this one more than six cents. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The humor helps. Uh, yes. Helps I give it a 
a BB plus only because of the whole the water thing is their weakness. It's like yeah, that's that kinda, thing that's that like almost rough. three yeah. quarters of the earth is made of. Yeah, why would they? Well, how long the would air? it take them to realize? Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, like, that's their only weakness. He, chop, he chopped his fingers off. It's like, you right. can't, like, blow them away with a 12-gauge <laughs> right. or something. Yeah. yeah. The baseball uh, bat's pretty effective. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe there was, like, a few of them at a time that went down. I, I don't know. Well, like, a few that are down, like, a spying or whatever they call that, reconning or whatever. Right. It's like, what? When, well, they're fired. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, when they, like, going through that cornfield, there's always going to be, like, dew and stuff like right. that. I'm thinking maybe it came from a planet that's like super arid, yeah. like really dry, and so there's no like a desert planet. Yeah, ninety like tattooing. They just need tattooing. cocoa okay. butter. Yeah, I get. But think, seventy-one percent of this planet is covered by water. Ninety-five percent right. yeah. of that water is I in think the ocean. You do your research. Yeah, before, right. That means like the two and a half percent that's still on land and lakes and rivers and streams. Like you could have done some recon on that. I know you didn't have Google, but come on, guys. <laughs> And if you guys do come back, if they were to come back, we know you. We're like, we saw you on camera. Yeah. Like, quit playing. Like, Getting our super soakers yeah. and our water balloons and everything ready. I'm just saying, water like, hoses. if you guys are going to come back a thousand years later and try to start this war, we would have been preparing. We're waiting for your return. We're so hoping. those of you uh, still listening, sorry. thank yeah. you. <laughs> Another classic Scared Smithless tangent. Oh, yeah. Join us next week. We are one of the all-time classic horror movies. Oh, yeah. Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, based on the Stephen King novel. Uh, might end up being a two-parter, a lot to break down there. We are watching that on either VHS or DVD. <laughs> yeah. They don't have it on... They. Uh, well, I have the 4K. Okay, maybe. There you go. So, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know. Let us know what you think. Did we miss anything? Did we leave anything out? What did you guys think of uh, Signs? What do you guys think of the M. Night Shyamalan category? Where does Signs rank? Leave us a comment. Send us requests. Uh, we got a pretty good lineup coming up, but uh, we're always taking requests. We're always... Always interested in uh, in what you guys yeah. want to hear. Yep. Like us on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Stitcher. And pretty much anywhere that you can you can listen to your podcasts. Anywhere podcasts are sold. Yep. yep. Stay tuned. It'll be classy. Thanks for dropping by. See ya.